Welcome to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where I share inspiring stories of ordinary people who walk out God's Word and discover radical results along the way. think of prayer? When is the time that you felt that God really answered your prayers? I love when people ask me this question because I love to share the greatest story really in my life where God answered my prayers. I was 17 years old. I was pregnant. I was about six months along. I had dropped out of high school because I was so embarrassed to go to school pregnant. My boyfriend had found a new girlfriend right away. I was alone. I was depressed. I was finishing my high school credits at home, but I really didn't know what I was doing with my future. I remember waking up one day and I was watching The Young and the Restless, still in my pajamas, one o'clock in the afternoon, and I just remember thinking, what am I doing with my life? I thought back to times when I was younger, when I attended Sunday school, and remembered all the joy I felt about knowing about a God who loved me and cared for me and had good plans for me. And at that moment, being 17 and pregnant, I did not feel like that at all. And then I ended up realizing I needed something different. I remember turning off the TV, rolling to my side, wrapping my arms around my growing stomach and praying this prayer. It was something like this. It said, God, I have screwed up big time. And if you can do anything with my life, please do. Really, that was just what I said. I remember the light and the life and the hope that came into my heart. I remember thinking that God did love me and that there could be change. And after that, I started living differently. I started reading my Bible. I started attending uh, church again. And it was during that time when I started having this growing hope that God was there for me that I prayed a second prayer. And that was, God, please bring someone, uh, a man into my life who will love me and love my son. Bring me a future husband. And I wrote about this in my book, Praying for Your Future Husband. But really, those prayers changed everything too. My life is completely different because God saved me, saved my soul, and gave me a wonderful future husband. And John and I have been married for 28 years. I love sharing those stories of prayers, but also I have to admit, there are times when I have questions about prayers. There's things I've prayed for and those prayers haven't been answered. There's times that things that I didn't want happened instead, and you wonder, God, how can you answer some prayers and not others? And so today we're going to be talking about prayer. My guest, who will be introducing in just a moment, is Elisa Morgan, and we're going to be talking about the prayer coin, Daring to Pray with Honest Abandon. I just love how she just shares some of her story, but even greater than that, she takes us into a prayer of Jesus and how he prayed with both honesty and abandon and how we can do the same. So I just know that you're going to enjoy this episode with Elissa. Well, at Walk It Out, I am excited today to talk to someone that I have just found to be such a joy for so many years, and that's Alyssa Morgan. And 
I have been part of a mops group. Um, let's think my 25 year old was about five. <laughs> so it's been many, many years. And I've just um, enjoyed her so much. And today we're going to be talking about her new book, The Prayer Coin. So welcome to Walk It Out. Dun, dun, dun. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, now music here. Yeah. Exactly. Um, for those who may not be familiar, which I'm sure most of my listeners are, but just share a little bit about yourself and your work. You bet. You bet. I'm a, I'm a mess. You know, I'm just a normal mess of a person. I'm grateful to be on the planet and so glad I don't have to do life by myself, but I do it in cooperation with Jesus. So that's awesome. And I uh, served for 24 years as the CEO of Mops International. I'm not the founder. Sometimes I'm credited with that, but Mops is actually a grassroots movement created by moms in 1973. And I became the first president in 1989. Prior to that, I went to Denver Seminary. And prior to that, I found Jesus and started following after him. So that's kind of it. And then I stepped down from Mops in 2009. And since that time, I have been writing and speaking and working with our Daily Bread Ministries uh, with writing their devotional and co-hosting the radio program that's on daily, discovertheword.org. It's a 15-minute daily Bible study with uh, three other guys. It's really fun. And then I do my own blog called Really, and you can find out all about me at elisamorgan.com. In addition to that, I'm married. I have two grown children two grandchildren, and a rotty wannabe named Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that so much. And your new book I mentioned is The Prayer Coin, and the subtitle is Daring to Pray with Honest Abandon. And I got my copy in the mail, and there was a fun coin in it. So I know you're going to be sharing about that. But why did you feel that this was the book that you wanted to write? Yeah, you know, I have never considered myself a big fancy prayer warrior. I mean, I have a journal that I keep my prayer requests in and, you know, the whole pages will yawn empty for months at a time. I mean, I learned the Lord's Prayer when I first started going to church as like maybe a 12 year old or something. And I pray, but I have certain prayer problems and I think I get stuck between how honest can I be with God? And how much will I actually let him be God? You know, those kind of two elements. And I stumbled over a sentence prayer of Jesus that's in all three of, well, three of the four gospels. And then the gospel of John also refers to it. And Jesus prays this one sentence repeatedly over and over. He prays it. And I just had never noticed that. In fact, it's probably the most prayed prayer of Jesus in all of scripture. And it's a, a prayer that he prayed the night before he went to the cross in a garden, the garden of Gethsemane, splayed out in the dirt, abandoned by his disciples. He prays, take this cup yet, not what I will, but not my will, but yours be done. And that blew me away because it was such two seemingly opposite things to pray in a single sentence. And yet Jesus prayed it. Yeah. And I've, I've thought about that before. You know, it seems like 
he would say like, I just want to do what you want, but not take this cup from me, you know? And I think so many times we do feel like we have to have the perfect words and, but it just showed that Jesus had anguish in that moment too. And I think that's so helpful for us. It's amazing because we expect Jesus to be kind of all godly all the time, you know? And he was, he was God all the time, but he was also, he laid off his godly attributes and in his attributes and in his humanity, he prayed dead honest, this is what I want, God, take this cup, which is shocking because isn't that the whole reason he came was to drink the cup and yet splayed out in the garden, anticipating being beaten and tortured and crucified and rejected and abandoned on the cross himself dying, separated from his heavenly father, you know, even he, he does that and he prays honestly, this is what I want, God, this is what I want. And I'm going to ask for it. Wow. That is so good. Now this helps me so much. And I'm, I'm holding this little coin that I mentioned um, that says honest on one side, because I think for so many years, I personally just wanted to say the right things. And um, the harder life gets, it seems like the more we have to be honest because we don't know how to deal with it. And after we adopted four kids from foster care, they were all teenagers. I remember times like I would just pray like, God, why did you have me do this? Like, this is so hard. There's so much anger in our home. And I almost felt bad for that honesty. But then he would sweep in with his love and peace. And like, it was okay. Like, it wasn't like, shame on you. You shouldn't have these questions of, of why you why I called you to this. You know, you should just serve with um, complete abandon and <laughs> joy. Um, but those moments when there'd be screaming and yelling and teenagers throwing stuff at me. I'm like, why God? Like, I don't want this in this moment. And don't you think that it is in those hard, dark times that we have to be honest? Because I mean, either that or we just can't pray. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. We're just going to fake it. I think we all tend toward one side or the other, these two sides of prayer. This is what I want, God. But what do you want? This is my honest. This is my abandon. You know, we go back and we, we just kind of stay on one side. But Jesus prayed both sides. And he, that's why we see two sides of Jesus, two sides of prayer. That's the name, the prayer coin with a heads and a tail or a side of honest and a side of abandon. And, and what you're talking about is for those of us who are hesitant to pray honest, Jesus serves as a huge model because Scripture tells us the Gospels say that he prayed to the point where he was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. That's deep honesty. Luke tells us his sweat was like drops of blood. That's deep honest. An honest request, take this cup in an honest expression, just wrenching in anguish. Absolutely. And if Jesus can do that before the Father, we can. What's stunning about this whole prayer is that it's it's captured or bracketed in the conversation Jesus has with his first century disciples, where he actually invites them to come and stay awake with him as he prays, to listen, to, to join him. And bless their hearts, they were exhausted. They'd been under enormous strain and everything was being pulled out from under them in this evening and, and they fall asleep. And so his first century disciples don't join him. But Jesus' invitation to them extends to us. Honestly, in the upper room discourse, the the chapters 15, 16, and 17 of John, which precede John's mention of Jesus' prayer coin in John 18, 1, he says, 
may they be one as we are one. And then he prays for us as much as he prays for them. So he invites us to pray this prayer as well. Yeah. And before we move on to the abandoned part, I know you had a part where you really, a time you really had to get honest and it came with a a scare with your husband's health. Do you want to talk about that? Sure, sure. I wrote it in the book, so I may as well talk about it, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Evan and I have been married now almost 40 years, and a few years ago, we had accepted a ministry engagement um, in another continent, and I was to do two conferences bracketing a week of nothings, you know. So, um, you know, I just kind of mainly went along to accept these conferences because he had meetings, and then about two weeks before the event, he had some unexpected surgery on his ankle and we decided, you know what, it's not a super good idea for us to have him on an 18 hour flight. So he didn't go. And I was kind of babyish about it. I didn't really want to go. I'd rather have stayed home, but I, you know, pulled up my big girl shoes and off I went and I landed, you know, I had talked with him just like what, 20 hours prior and everything was cool. And we chatted it up while I had a layover. And then I landed and I, I pulled my two-week size suitcase over to the hall of the arrivals and cued in the prompts he had given me to put in my international roaming data stuff, you know, and all these texts pop up from him. And I'm like, what? And, and I begin to, to read them. And he says, give me a call. I'm going to give you a little update on my leg. I'm like, what? So I call him and he goes, now, don't panic. I'm okay. You don't want to hear those. (laughs) No, you don't want to hear that from anyone at any time. And he says, I'm in ICU with 103 fever. I mean, seriously. And I come undone. What are you supposed to do when you're thousands of miles away? I mean, I start looking immediately at the departure board and I realize no planes are leaving in the next hour. Everything has to overnight where I am. And I'm like, no. And I had decided in the couple of weeks where I figured I was going solo that I would try to practice this prayer coin methodology on my own. But boy, I tell you what, in that moment, my my heart hit the floor and then my being reached up to God with a prayer coin, trying to learn how to pray this in a crisis. Because the prayer coin often starts in a crisis kind of moment. And I prayed and prayed, and I want everybody to know he did live. And I, but I prayed, God, please take this cup. I don't want to be so far away from him, and I don't want him to be in ICU, and I don't want him to die. And then, as I flipped over to the abandon, which we're going to talk about still, I sensed God just gently nudging me, Elisa. You know, maybe I can use this in the lives of your adult children, who. Don't have a clue that you guys are mortal and are going to die one day. Maybe this is a step in their growth. Watch me work. And sure enough, that is a lot of what happened is they reached out to care for their father in my absence. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't gorgeous, but it was important. Yeah. And God knew that you would be there. <laughs> like He knew where you would be when this crisis hit. And still, it takes that moment of being honest, but yet trusting him. Exactly. Exactly. And that's that second side of abandon. Some of us are super diligent and disciplined about the abandon side. In fact, some of us only pray abandon. It's like, oh, not my will. I couldn't possibly think of telling you what to do, God. And we're almost auto abandoned, you know, almost like lobotomized in our trust with God. And I don't think that's real abandon. Jesus abandoned, he flips from this is what I want, God, 
take this cup to, but what do you want God abandoned by actually remembering who God is, who he is in relationship with the Godhead. You got to remember that, that even though Jesus became a human and had humanity in all its fullness, he never totally left his attachment with the Father. And so he, he knew who the Father was. He knew who the Spirit was. He knew what had been promised and what was possible. And so when he flipped into abandon, a yielding, and, and I struggled with what word to choose here. I thought about surrender and I thought about submission, and they all seemed too hmm, sterile. Mm-hmm. I, I chose abandon because it has a deep emotional quality to it. You know, just to abandon yourself to something does mean to give in, but it also means to to let your heart tip over into love, to be abandoned, to be sold out towards another. And Jesus did that. He abandoned not my will, but yours be done and made room for what God wanted to do all along. Yeah. And you talk about abandon grows from obedience. And I think you were, you were mentioned earlier, like we can almost become weak, like whatever you want. And if God wants me to do this, he will drop a plane ticket on my lap and I'll be able to go. And it's, but no, he calls us to take steps of faith. Um, and so I think there is that abandon that's a weak abandon that we don't want to step out. We don't want to take steps of faith because surely if God wanted to do this, everything would line up perfectly and we'd be able to know exactly and take those steps. But instead, it is that abandon, even though I can't see everything perfectly lined up before me, it's taking those steps of faith, even in obedience, um, even when we know it will be hard as we step out. Yeah, you said it, honesty develops trust and trust leads us into abandonment. And abandonment grows great intimacy. And that's the real return of practicing the prayer coin. Because when we learn to move from honest to abandon, we discover an intimacy. You know, and that's the middle part of the prayer coin. It's the space between honest and abandoned. Because Jesus prayed this prayer repeatedly, at least three times the gospel writers tell us, take this cup yet not my will, but yours be done. Sometimes it's translated, but not my will, but yours be done. But that little three-letter word is a conjunction that connects two opposite prayer requests in one sentence. And I'm blown away as I read that and study it and realize Jesus didn't pray this just once, but he, he pivots, that's the word I like to use for it, between honest and abandoned. And then he pivots back to honest, pivoting into abandoned and back to honest and then pivoting back into abandoned. And this repeated prayer, this repetition of the pivoting creates almost a new groove of intimacy where God has has space to get into him. And, you know, Jesus, as I said, was never not aligned with his father, but his experience of his alignment in his humanity was not accurate in that moment. And God aligned him with himself so that what he experienced is what he had always possessed there. And he can do the same thing with us. And when I think about it, and this just absolutely blows me away to think about this, that you know, prayer is, is like a coin that's minted in this crucible garden of Gethsemane in the great heat of Jesus' anguish. And it's hammered out. And if God would 
would allow this prayer to be minted in the life of his son. Such a lavish investment. Is there a greater investment in our world? An exorbitant price to pay. If God would spend that kind of currency into creating this prayer, wow, why would we not spend it and spend it and spend it and spend it? Yeah. You know, with my kids, we've been studying the Bible. And I think one of the things that um, I've just, as I've been talking to them, one of the things we don't talk about so much is Christ's humanity. Um, You know, we always want to think about him as God on earth and that, um, you know, of course, you know, he's able to um, feed the 5,000 and do all these miracles. But I love that you have pointed out um, with him spending himself and with him um, showing his obedience to God, it does show his humanity. And we talk about, we were talking about just the other day, how, you know, it was the people that was closest to him and even his siblings that went on and shared the gospel. And those are the people that know you the most. And you talk about, you know, he wanted them to hear this prayer, to show this. And I just love how this just shows so much of the humanity of Christ. that I think sometimes we don't focus on because we are so focused on him as God. That's so good, Tricia. And, you know, I think it's the writer of Hebrews in chapter five, that talks about that Jesus cried out to God, cried out to God. It's like shouting. It's like wailing out to God with all of his requests. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. And in that verse, you just really see the combination of, of his honest and his abandoned and how, how much it pleases the heart of the father I, I really think we miss so much when we make God all godly. You know, in, instead of letting him um, reach to us the way he did through his son, through his humanity, uh, through becoming like us, that we could understand him. And there's so much to access there. It, it, to, you know, to maybe flesh this out a little bit, sometimes it's good to give a couple of examples of what it looks like to pray this prayer coin practice. So, so you can just grab a coin, a quarter or whatever you have and turn it to the head's side, you know, so George or whoever is up towards the ceiling and you hold it in your right hand and you go, God, take this cup. This is what I want. I want my teenage children to make healthy choices. Okay. Amen. Amen. There you go, baby. There you <laughs> Every go. day. Right there. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and so then you put that coin tail side up in your left hand. Well, but not my will, God. What do you want? And as you sit with that, you might hear something like, well, you know, sometimes they're not going to make perfect choices and there's going to be some consequences. And so then you flip it right back to that right-hand side. Here's George again. Here's the honest. Well, can if they make choices with poor consequences, could they be in private (laughs) so that people don't know they're my kids, you know, kind of thing. And then back to, but what do you want, God? And you might hear him say something like, or just sense this kind of an understanding of, well, you know what, Elisa, why are you trying to protect your kids from the things that I used in your life to show you that you needed me? (gasps) What? And what happens as you spin the prayer coin, as you put the coin in your right hand and then your left hand, moving from honest to abandoned, this is what I want, but what do you want? You realize you're having a conversation with God. And that's what he created prayer to be, where it's two-way. It's me expressing and it's him responding and him expressing and me responding. You can do it 
in a journal where you take the left-hand side of a page and up at the top you pen, take this cup and put the date. And over on the right-hand side, you say, not my will, and you put the date. And you begin to write, this is what I want in my marriage. You know, I just long that this not be a static, boring, blasé relationship. This is what I want, God. And then you make your hand go over to the right side and you say, but what do you want, God? And you sense, wow, Elisa, you know what? Your marriage is about two people. How are you investing? You're just looking at him. Ooh, okay, back over to the take this cup. But what I want <laughs> is for him to cherish me. How many times have we said that? And then make myself go back over to the, what do you want, God? And he just gently nudges, I cherish you, Elisa. Do you let me? Whoa. And that's what happens with this. So the, the prayer coin practice might start as a crisis prayer. But it can move into an everyday, all day long prayer where we're truly talking with God in the intimate relationship that he designed for us to enjoy. Yeah, I love that so much. And you talk about the conversation. I think that's really when my life began to change is when I would, you know, sit there and do my Bible study. And I felt after a while, this spirit, you know, speaking to me, it's not my voice in my head. So I know it has to be God saying, um, I'm here. Are you listening? You know, you're reading all the verses, you're quoting, you know, writing all these quotes in your journal, but are you pausing to listen? And the first time I did was when um, my pastor had asked me to help start a crisis pregnancy center. And I thought, oh, I don't have time for this, but I'll pray about it. And as I prayed, I, you know, my prayer went something like this, like, God, I don't have time for this. I'm homeschooling my kids and writing. And in, as I sat there and, you know, paused, I mean, I'm sure I was just taking a breath going on. Why can it do it? I felt this, you know, thought in my head, well, what about the young women where you were? You know, I was a teen mom and um, it was just like, I know that's from God because that was not from me. And it just took that listening that changed my life so completely. And I think that is so important that, you know, I think so many times we teach people, sit down with your Bible, sit down with your journal, <laughs> but we don't teach them how to listen. So I would love you just to share maybe a little bit more about that. Yeah. You know, I think there is a vulnerability in it that can make all of us uncomfortable um, both sides, honestly, you know, honest and abandoned can feel too vulnerable for some of us. And, you know, we can, we can make our relationship with God modeled after our relationship with friends or loved ones or parents or whatever, and forget that God is wholly different. Um, you know, we don't have to hide from him and, and we don't need to dress up for him and we don't need to perform for him. What we really need to do is, is what I love what Henry Nouwen taught me is, is he just wants for me to let myself be found by God, to let myself be known by God, to let myself be loved by God. It's not about us doing it right. You know, we quote, do it right. When out of a response to his love, we just want to love him back. It's so backwards and it's easy to lose our footing in this and say, oh my gosh, I'm not doing the prayer coin right. You know, oops, put it in my right hand. Whoops. You know, no, it's just, it's just holler out to him and, and let him in to your heart of hearts because he never made you or me or any of us to do life alone. He made us to do it in relationship with himself. 
Yes. Oh, I love that so much. You know, as I'm sitting here, um, I you know, mentioned I have, you know, three t- teen daughters still at home and then one's away at college. I'm like, oh, I wish that we could just sit down with Elisa and she could just go over this. I'm like, oh, wait, okay. there's a DVD. There's a DVD. <laughs> we could do this. <laughs> she could sit down that. with us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would, and I would love to sit down with them. And I really would love to hear what others learn as they practice this. In fact, at, at the prayercoin.org, there is a little place you can take the prayer dare. And I would love to have a one minute video from somebody telling me what they learned or just a quick message on Facebook or whatever. I just love to learn this stuff. And I think that's another way that the whole practice is enhanced is when we pray it together. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, there is a DVD that goes with it. Um, and it's six sessions. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. There are six sessions. They're new material, not just material material from the book. So the study guide is actually in the back of the book. So all you really need is the book and then one set of the DVDs, and you can have a six-week study on this. Uh, there's also a journal that's made up just the way I described one with take this cup on the left and not my will on the right, and there are quotes strewn throughout. I, I'm pretty sure that the book and the journal and the actual coin that was minted, the prayer coin, is available from Discovery House Publishers exclusively for a limited time. I think it's like 20 bucks for the set. And then the, the DVD is like 15. But it's it's a phenomenal resource to go through together. And you know what? I'll also say this. Our Daily Bread Book Club, where we're going to study this together in Facebook live sessions for six weeks, that starts on September 25th. And anybody can join anytime by going to our Daily Bread Book Club. And you can join after that date as well. So if you want to try it out as a live study, join us there. Oh, I love that so much. And I will put all those links that we you mentioned. We'll have those in the show, show notes. People can just go to walkitoutpodcast.com and everything that you mentioned will be there. Um, Elisa, I just thank you so much for just sharing your heart. I am so excited to share this with my kids. Um, in fact, I'm like, I've had this book for a month. I'm like, why didn't I start sooner sharing it? We've been going through some tough stuff. So I am so excited. And so I just thank you just for sharing God's heart and just, you know, um, speaking honestly and with abandon to us about how he wants to be there um, and how our lives can be transformed as we learn to pray in this way. Amen. Thank you, Tricia. And much love to all who are gathered here hanging in with us. We just care about you. You're not alone. Thank you. Thank you so much. And um, I just hope to connect again with you soon. Sounds good. I just loved what Elissa had to say. And I want to read you something in the beginning of her book, The Prayer Coin. It says, in ancient times, coins were formed through the process of melting valuable metals in an intense heat of over 1,500 degrees and pouring the resulting liquids into molds to form around blanks. Each blank was then sandwiched between a pair of dies with engraved designs. A coin is minted when the blank is struck or hit with a hammer, forcibly imprinting a different design on each side to create heads and tails, or averse and reverse to use more official coin language. While the process is highly automated today, minting of coins still involves striking metal through force to create a two-sided currency. Prayer is like a two-sided coin minted in the heat and pressure of life and spent in the bent knee of practice. And I just love that so much. And I just love all that she shared about the two sides of praying of honesty 
and abandoned. It gives me really something to think about as I'm praying for my kids and as I have to train my kids to know that, you know, prayer isn't just a list of things that we want God to answer, but it really is sharing with honesty what's going on in our hearts and then listening with abandon as we prepare ourselves for what God desires to happen in our lives. And I just wanted to share um, one of my favorite scriptures that talks about prayer. And this scripture is 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. And it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And that is my desire for us today, that we will just remember to turn to God in prayer, to rejoice always, to know that he is at work around us, to pray without ceasing every little thing, every big thing, that we can turn to God with honesty and abandon, and to give thanks in all circumstances, knowing that God's will is at work in us. And sometimes we may not see how the answer or lack of answer is going to impact us, but we can trust him in the process. And so really, friend, I just want to take a moment and pray for all of you. So dear God, I just bring my listeners to you, Lord. And I know sometimes we pray and then we worry and wait and we question why our prayers aren't being answered in the time or in the way that we desire, Lord. But I pray instead of just uh, feeling like we have to say the right things or do the right things, but that we will just be willing to open our hearts to you and to pray with honesty and to pray with abandon and to trust that you completely have us in your hands. I thank you for Elisa, Lord. I thank you for all you're doing. I thank you for writing her this book. And I pray that you will bless her efforts as she just wants to spread the good news of what coming before you in prayer looks like. And I just pray for those with heavy hearts today that you'll just be with them and encourage them as they lift their prayers for you. So thank you, friends. Thank you for tuning in again to Walk It Out. I just love knowing that there's people out there listening. I record in my bedroom. Usually you might hear a dog barking or kids running around or doors slamming. Um, but this is really just a joy to be able to share my friends, to share these messages with all of you. So I'd love it if you would tell your friends about the podcast and encourage them to listen. Um, if you have a chance, go to iTunes and leave a review. That is always helpful for me. Um, and also check out my publisher, which is the sponsor of this program, David C. Cook. David C. Cook Publishers is the publisher of my book, Walk It Out, The Radical Results of Living God's Word One Step at a Time, and of my new book that is just releasing, Calming Angry Kids, Help and Hope for Parents in the Whirlwind. And over the upcoming weeks, we are going to have um, a special sessions or for this podcast and talking about calming angry kids. I know so many people have kids, know kids, work with kids, um, are related to kids who struggle with anger. And so we're going to have a special series. And I'm just going to be talking to some experts, some expert moms about how we handle these angry kids. And I hope that you'll be encouraged. So you can be looking forward to that in upcoming weeks. But in the meantime, Thank you for listening, and I pray that you will have a blessed week. Today's podcast was edited and produced by Author Media. Opening and closing music is from the song Wide Open Space by Life Worship, used with permission from Integrity Music. <laughs>